check on the kids, let's check on the kids. We got future doctors and lawyers, plus a couple tennis stars in this house. The chances of achieving the kind of success that you're talking about is just very, very unlikely. Okay, you're making a mistake, but I'm gonna let you make it. Watch me hit a few balls. All right. So tell me your names again. I'm Venus. I'm Serena. So what'd you think? I wrote me a 78-page plan for their whole career before they was even born. Yeah, baby, yeah! <laughs> These girls so great, how come I've never heard of them? They're from Compton. I think you might just have the next Michael Jordan. Oh, no, brother man. I got me the next, too. This next step you about to take, you're not going to just be representing you. You're going to be representing every little black girl on Earth. They're not going to let you doubt. How could you? Venus and Serena gonna shake up this world. Venus Williams, who is your best friend? You, Daddy. Serena Williams, <laughs> who is your best friend? Venus. Then you. That's then you. After Venus. Hello, 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 my friends. It is I, Lisa Zambetti. This is Killer Casting Special Oscar Schmosker 2022 edition. We are making our way through the nominees for Best Picture, but we are awarding them a very special award since there is no Oscar forecasting. We are awarding the Zammy, right? That's It's going to be the casting that ticks off for me, the most on my criteria, and uh, we'll go over what that criteria is, but joining me on this journey is Paul Francis Sullivan. Hey. Hey, this is where I'm not talking baseball. I'm talking about the other thing that I obsess over, and that would be the Academy Awards. And the other idiot savant wingman mm. that I have yeah, Do Paul is the savant. I'm just the idiot, but uh, okay. no, I'm, I'm here to balance up your absolute, you know, sort of negativity about the uh, the uh, the Oscars, Lisa. I'm, I'm maybe I'm so far removed. I actually look forward to the Oscars. Me, I, this is one of my highlights of my year. We used to there be for go. me you too. We used to have you Oscar parties where I would wear a ball gown and we'd have hors d'oeuvres and in our tiny apartments and it would be so much fun. But then, you know. I mean, come I, on, Lisa, it is the Oscars, not the, not the Globes. We're not talking about the Globes here, right? We're talking about the Oscars. Come on. Little, I know. I know. Well, that's why I'm trying to rehabilitate myself with them right, now, okay. now that I'm All a right. member of the Academy. She never fails to drop that, have you? Know, she's only been in there five minutes and I think I she's dropped it nine times already. And it really wasn't I, that way, hard. It wasn't that way. hard to get into. Well, maybe I'll try. <laughs> when we watch the Oscars this year, every time someone says, I want to thank the members of the Academy, Lisa's going to say, you're welcome. <laughs> and you know that's true. So the best part of the Oscars, obviously, are the ads. That's all. That's I do enjoy those. And the, the gowns. Anyway. All right. Well, we're going to jump right back into our conversation and uh, see who gets the Zammy. I just want to hit the next kind of the, the next two biggest budget. I'll have to check and see if that's true. But West Side Story, again, mm-hmm. having to compete, you know, not only with 
you know, every high school and college production that we've all been in and seen. Lieutenant Shrank. I played Lieutenant Shrank. Yes. But also, obviously, the original. And, and I know, you know, Cindy Tolan, she just worked. She must have, it, it must have been such a huge, huge task. Um, and she found Maria from a self-tape that was sent in. I mean, that is, uh, this girl has never done anything before. Just a true, true find. And to be able to champion that actress and have her actually, you know, be cast out of thousands and thousands of other tapes. I think Cindy said that she got this actress's tape like three weeks into the casting process and was like, done, she's it. And of course, you can't just stop. You know, you have to keep on searching and searching and searching. And then to be casting those true triple threats, the Ariana DeBose and, and how she reached out to David Alvarez, who, who played Bernardo, and he had quit acting. I mean, he had been on Broadway and a great performer. And, and she was like, where, where is he? And she kind of reached out and, and dragged him in. But then on the other hand, you have Ansel Elgort as Tony. And I don't know if this chemistry is really where it should be. I mean, no. any thoughts on this, Paul? We've now had two huge budget, high profile film versions of West Side Story. And we still haven't found a Tony. Maybe yeah. third, maybe third time's a charm. Richard Bamer, who, by the way, David Lynch, I like Richard Bamer a lot in Twin Peaks. I, I thought Tony was once again a piece of balsa wood. Mm-hmm. I like that Rachel Zegler, is that how you pronounce her name? Who plays Maria, mm-hmm. didn't have the baggage of being Natalie Wood and Brownface. Right. I, yeah. I, having Rita Moreno kind of giving her blessing. She's like the yeah. fairy godmother of the movie. Fantastic. Uh, and she's great. She gets, they give her a solo and she, her, her character, uh, an adaptation of the doc character from the original, uh, right. Ariana DeBose. Here's who I, I, you have to give her all the credit in the world because she had to take over Rita Moreno's role. Rita Moreno is perfect in the original yeah. West Side Story. Right. Won, won the Academy Award. And so she had to do, you know, I like to be in America, a boy like that. He killed your brother, you know, all this stuff. And she has a scene with Rita Moreno. Right. And she, the fact that she doesn't do a Rita Moreno impersonation, she right. does it. Well, she does it as her own. And the pressure of doing it like, okay, I'm just going to do it the way Rita Moreno did it. I'm sure that temptation was there. I like the cast with the exception. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Ansel Elwood's. How do you pronounce it? Elwood. Elcourt, yeah. I just thought he was dull, but I thought the rest, the, the Mike Feist who played Riff, I thought was terrific. Right. Uh, Iris Manis, who played Anybody's, was terrific. I think the cast was really good and I think they did a good job. Yeah, something really huge about this cast is, you know, I, I talked about earlier in the show about authenticity and how they really worked hard to not only cast, you know, real people of Puerto Rican descent, but in the case of Ariana DeBose, someone who is who is Black Latina. So, yeah. uh, you know, leaning into that that representation, which is amazing. So one thing I wanted to say is that I, I you know, love Rita Moreno as Anita, love Ariana as Anita. But I have to say that I don't think I've ever seen a bad Anita. And I think Arthur Lawrence wrote an incredible role. I think it's it's kind of hard to not do well in that role. It's just such great, it's just such a great character to wrap around yourself and really explode into. By the uh, way, uh Russ Tamblin 
played riff in in the original West Side yeah, yeah. Story. Um, I, I was on the tip of my mind as well when you were saying Twin Peaks and that. I'm going, oh, that guy, yeah. Okay, so and this West Side Story, let's look at the budget. It was about $100 million. Again, you know, it needs it, of course, for what it is, a sprawling story. But again, you can afford to pay whoever you want for this. Okay, and let's look into King Richard. What are your thoughts about the casting of King Richard? Paul, anything? This is one of the, I think this might be the only true star vehicle of the Best Picture nominations. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some, there are some of the biggest movie stars in the world are in the nominees, but like, Don't Look Up is an ensemble piece. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're like, this is where you have one of the, this is the type of film that come in previous Oscar seasons, there would be a ton of films like this where you have a movie star has a film that they can carry all the way to the Best Actor or Actress nomination, and it rides on their movie stardom. Yeah, And that's exactly what this film was. And Will Smith, as Richard Williams, is really is really wonderful. Uh, is it Arjunu Ellis? How do you, is that her? Mm-hmm. Arjunu Ellis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is she's she's great, classic supporting role. But this is all on Will Smith's shoulders. It's interesting that Demi Singleton and uh, San, uh, Sanaya 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 Sydney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are kind of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern in this movie. Serena and Venus Williams are kind of their smaller roles in a film about Serena and Venus Williams. If, you know, it's obviously it's, it follows this from the point of view of Richard, but the rest of the cast, it seems like the cast and there's some, every once in a while you'll see like Tony Goldwyn Mm -hmm. shows up and he's quite good in his role. You know, great. That guy's like, Kevin Dunn has a small part in the film, like really reliable. A Rich Sumner has a small, memorable part. So you have people who are like they're reliable people, but they're everybody is there to serve Will Smith in that film. But I have to say that the backstory of what Rich Delia went through trying to find the actresses who played Venus and Serena. I mean, just going to camp after camp, you know, tennis camp after tennis camp, going to Compton where the Williams are really from, you know, really trying to turn over every stone to find young girls who had the spirit of Venus and Serena and could also play tennis and, and carry it. I mean, I know that they just spent so much time on those roles and it's, it's hard. I mean, I just went through a search myself for, you know, a child actor that it was a very, very, very hard role to cast. And it's just not easy. They're not just being thrown at you. Even though this budget was, you know, $50 million, that's not terrible, but it's going to be hard to find that, those kids. Okay, let's get down to it. Just Real- incidentally, at least before you move yeah. on from that, it would be, Will happens to win for this, then he would only be the fifth black actor to do so, following on from uh, Poitier, Denzel Washington, Jamie Foxx, Forrest Whitaker, and, and here we go. The last time that Will Smith was nominated, he lost out. Do you remember who he lost out to, Paul? He was nominated for- He was nominated Ali. for Ali. Yeah. But he was also nominated for The Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah, but he lost But he lost out uh, to, in uh, uh, the year of Ali to- To Denzel, Denzel Washington. For, for, training, for day. training day, yeah. And the last two times he's been nominated for an Academy Award, he's, he lost to Washington and then he lost to Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, there's a little bit of history there. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'll, real quick, let's go to Belfast. By the way, Charming, Denzel, yeah. Denzel Washington is also nominated this year. Just saying. 
I know that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Will. Look out, Will. Okay, so Belfast, perfectly mm-hmm. lovely movie. Loved it. Yeah, I mean, you got your Judy Dench, you got your your Jamie Dornan, who um, was very famous in my office because I had about 25 pictures of him taped onto my office door. <laughs> it was my Jamie door. Nan Dor, um, I was very much in love with him. Um, did, he, did he have shirts on in any of them? Well, this I had them? a lot of pictures from when he was a model before he was uh, an actor. So that'd, be, that'd be a no. But this is only because I fell in love with him watching him in the fall, yeah, that series. I, I never yeah, saw any totally. of the other... Fifty Shades of whatever the fuck. Yeah. Did you um, did you did you get to watch the Aussie Outback crime drama one? The the, the tourist. So he played. Uh, he just recently played no. in a five six part limited series called The Tourist. He wakes up as an Irishman in the Outback Australia who's had a car crash and doesn't remember who he is or what's going on. It's just okay. A crime. Not a not a who done it, but a who is he kind of thing. Yeah, it was pretty reasonable. I mean, I think this cast was was great, but yeah. did, was it reinventing anybody? Was it really out of the box? I think it was just well, very I, just comfortable. Yeah, and I think though the the thing that I'll give the casting director credit for is that this film needed to be carried by Jude Hill, the young boy sure. who plays Buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, you have you have fine actors up and down the the cast here, but the every scene in the film it's even shot from his vantage point it's right from his height it's shot from his point of view like he does there's no big scene where they explain what's happening between catholics and protestants in atlanta it's just told from his from his vantage point Mm -hmm. so the entire movie the emotional impact of the film needed to be carried by a young unknown actor Mm -hmm. and to find an actor to be able to pull that off i think jude hill does a wonderful i really i belfast might be my favorite of the best picture nominees Mm. i I mean i really enjoyed i really enjoyed licorice pizza i really enjoyed drive my car uh i thought dune and don't look up i I mean there's only one best picture nominee so far that i've seen that i genuinely did not like we'll get to that we'll get that (laughs) we'll get to that one in a minute but i i just belfast was the most satisfying of all the uh, films that I've seen nominated for best picture this year. And I thought to have a film with that much, with that much weight, it's very reminiscent of um, hope and glory, the John Borman film about the blitz. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and, and in that film again, and you, and that was also the same year uh, empire of the sun came out the Spielberg film, which had to be carried by Christian yeah, Bale. Really Christian Bale, yeah. Um, but this was this was a little more, this is closer to Hope and Glory and that it's more of like a whimsical, uh, not quite as heavy as Empire of the Sun. And I thought they had to find a Jude Hill. And, uh, I yeah. thought he he did a very, very good job. Paul, back in the back in the 70s, there was a, might have been the 80s? No, it was the 70s. There was a TV series called How Green Was My Valley. Mm-hmm. Did that ever make its way? Did you ever see that? Well, I know of the John Ford film, How Green Was My Valley, that famously won Best Picture in 1941 over Citizen Kane. No, this was set in a Welsh a town. Very well, so, much so was so was so was the John Ford film. <laughs> right. I'm not kidding. Oh yeah. Oh no, you're right. Yes, absolutely right. No, this was the TV series of that. And okay. It was it was ser- serialized in the in the 70s and done. Very well, and along very much along the same lines as what you've just described about how this film made you feel. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. If, if you're British or Australian, 
it was on your TV. It was on the ABC in Australia and and on the BBC in England, and was kind of uh, you know it was the uh, you know back when we had three channels, everyone watched it. It was a uh, you know part of the zeitgeist before zeitgeist was even a word, apart right. from Germany. So where I live, one minute it's raining and the next minute it's 80 degrees and the trees and plants in my yard start going crazy, which makes my nose, throat and eyes go crazy with all the pollen. But luckily for me, I have gotten relief from the good folks at Plantiva and their natural proprietary formulation of herbal extracts called Allerdx. I mean, I was sneezing and sniffling about to go into a Zoom meeting but I took an Aller DX and in 10 minutes, I had immediate relief. I mean, it was really something. So Plantiva is a family-run business and I have had the pleasure of meeting the Morrisseys, Dr. Steven and his wife, Jenny. And let me tell you, they are the real deal. I am really enjoying the products that they've had me sample. So you can try them yourself. Go to plantiva.com slash killercasting for your exclusive discount code. So we're coming down the home stretch here and I very deliberately left these three films to talk about the casting last because they are really the ones that I have been struggling. There are four more left. Oh, there are four more left. Yeah, there's, we have Licorice Pizza, Power the Dog, Coda, and Drive My Car. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we already talked about Drive My Car. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was charming and and lovely and I, I don't feel like my head exploded by that casting of Drive My Car. I thought it was was great. I mean, it was a great film and I loved it. I It didn't hit me the way that these last three that we're going to talk about, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, and Coda. So, okay, let's talk real quick about Licorice Pizza, okay? Mm-hmm. Very risky casting because you're casting so many people who really have never acted before except like in home movies and stuff. This is a very inside baseball kind of casting because Paul Thomas Anderson are basically casting all of his kids and his kids' friends and and all that. It's sort of like the summer, the summer camp got together and shot a, a film. Yet I found it completely captivating and amazing and Alana Haim as the lead. Great. Yeah, this She's is something great. I say to a lot of my acting students who are transitioning from being um, musicians or you know singers into acting. I'm like, you actually are a step ahead of a lot of acting students or or, or new actors because you're very used to being watched. You know, you're very used to being yourself or a version of yourself in front. You're used to the sound of your voice. You're used to um, the discipline that it takes that you can translate from being a musician to being an actor. So, yeah, I loved um, Alana. She's spectacular to look at. I mean, her whole vibe. And then, you know, Cooper Hoffman, of course, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, who has not acted before. I mean, you do know Pizza Yeah directed her in the past, right? With her music videos? They yes, had his, right. yeah. yes yeah. I do know oh, that. Okay. But still, I mean, she's not saying lines that she didn't write, you know? It, it just so many, you know, Sarah, Sasha Spielberg is in this. 
I mean, just everybody's kids are in this, you know? Tim Conway Jr. is in it. Sometimes risky casting can pay off and sometimes you wonder why you took the risk. It sounds like in this case, you're pretty happy with it. Well, I just think that it's, as Paul has said, it's incredibly hard to carry a film anyway and to have a bunch of actors who have zero track record in carrying a narrative, you know, be able to pull it off and be so charming and be so nuanced. Um, I thought it was just a real coup in some ways. I just love, it's just my kind of a quirky, weirdo, offbeat, movie and it's clearly made with a bunch of people who know and trust each other and know mm. each other very 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 well i mean alana heim's mother was paul thomas anderson's art teacher <laughs> i mean they were they have mm. like a long time relationship how did, uh, how did tom waits and benny safty go tom waits is amazing i mean, I mean yeah. tom waits is always great yeah, yeah. I, I would watch him in anything yeah i mean another uh, yeah. musician turned from, from, from down by law onwards yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. One, a couple of, and by the way, Leonardo DiCaprio's dad is in it too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a blink and you'll miss it cameo from uh, John C. Riley in the movie, and also a quick cameo from um, Maya Rudolph. I love again a film where they use movie star baggage, where right. uh, Sean Penn essentially plays William Holden in the mm-hmm. film. Uh, they call him Jack Holden, but it's very clear they're talking about William Holden, and so his. The, all the movie star baggage that Sean Penn has and his gravitas, but right. also his unpredictability, it plays in there. It, it, it was uh, um, who was it? Who and Bradley Cooper? Bradley Cooper plays I mean- <laughs> jo- plays plays John Peters, and apparently they got John Peters' permission mm-hmm. to have him be to have him play it. Of course, it's a not flattering portrayal of John Peters, uh, and it's it's hysterical. Yeah, but again seeing this established movie star intimidating the hell out of Cooper Hoffman is great. Here's something that I think is sort of really played into this. It's a film that takes place in the 70s. And if you look at actors in the 70s who became famous in the 70s, there was a lack of polish. It was like, we're going to turn someone who looks like, you know, Al Pacino would never have been a star because he didn't look polished. Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfus. You know, mm-hmm. Streisand for that matter. You know, people who they're like Diane Keaton is very beautiful, but there's something kind of like a little offbeat about her. She would never become the big movie star that she became in the 70s in any other decade. And so you have people who became huge in the 70s, Dustin Hoffman, who may not look super glamorous, but fit a certain reality that the 70s grasped. And Alana, it was it Alana Heim? Mm-hmm. Look like a star from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that yes. she's very beautiful and magnetic on screen, but doesn't have that like, okay, every feature has to be perfectly polished like a Barbie dog. No, she yeah. looked the way she does, and her insecurities and her, the quirkiness of her made her more magnetic and, and sexier and more memorable. Same thing with Cooper Hoffman. And so I think that it was a 70s film that was not you sometimes you see a 70s film where it's cast like a 2010s film like it takes place in the 70s but everybody looks perfect and polished and everything like that and this felt like the 70s yeah. and so I I really thought the casting in this film was and I really I'm not a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan full full disclosure a lot of his films I do not like at all but uh, this one I loved. This is my. So if you could, go, 
If yeah, you go back to great. my original criteria, unusual casting choices, casting outside the box, complementing chemistry, creativity, Perfect. discovery, and reinvention. Mm, this one is up there. This is uh, this is this would striking. win. This would win it for me. This is this striking point. high, but we still have a two more, two more. <laughs> so let's move to Power of the Dog. Jeannie, mm-hmm. did you watch this one? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, totally. Okay, I have thoughts. Let's mm-hmm. just talk about the casting, though. Okay, let's stick with mm-hmm. the casting. Mm-hmm. Paul, let me have it. Um, just talk about the casting. Uh, again, you had three very well-known actors in the film, and they played. They used the baggage that they all brought with them, you know, very well. Uh, my pro- my issues with this film have nothing to do with the performances. Uh, I've always liked Kirsten Dunst as an actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the first time I, I mean, she was she was in other films before uh, Interview with the Vampire, but I thought she was wonderful in Interview with the Vampire. I, I've liked her in a lot of the films that she's been in. I'm mm-hmm. glad she's I'm glad she's now an Oscar nominee mm-hmm. uh, for the first time, and she has she looked the part of uh, someone who's uh, probably like the most beautiful woman in a town but who has been through a lot has been through has lived a lot in her short life and you know has a teenage son now and everything um uh benedict cumberbatch i mean he's he's just a solid actor and so he you know he inhabited the role of phil burbank well and and uh and then there's the guy we all hated from breaking bad and he you know he everyone did their job well and the the rest of the cast. I mean, careful. That's Mr. Dunst you're talking about. <laughs> that's true. That is true. And then, anytime you have a Carradine show up, even for a little bit, yeah. uh, I'm I'm happy to see the Carradines are 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 continuing to work. I I thought that you touched on Jesse Plemons there. I mean, you know, husband and wife working together. I thought they were fantastic in Fargo. I loved them together in Fargo. I felt that he was a little bit generic in in this particular role. It, that could have been anybody, in in my view. Whereas I felt that she really nailed her her part in this. She she she, as you said, Paul. She she played that woundedness that you could tell yes. without saying the word. She was mm. you know really yeah. somebody deeply deeply wounded and and uh, conveyed that really well. So. I think that was well deserved. Jesse was quite anonymous to me, and I love him. Like I loved him as you know, Meth Damon, and so I, you know, had a Breaking Bad, and 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 so I'm a, I'm a big fan. But this in this particular role, he, I mean, he wasn't asked to do much either, really, was he? He was meant to be a wallflower that Benedict walked all over, and maybe to that extent, he he did that. But elsewhere, I think you know, casting Benedict is such a uh, well. In terms of the casting, I was going to talk about his performance, but let's just stick with the casting. Oh, please go go on with his performance. That, that's part of it. I mean, I how guess, successful that choice was. I guess the way that he chose to play it. Um, in a previous episode, Lisa, go way back to uh, I don't know, maybe halfway through or a third of the way into our entire pod, there was a point where Brian spoke about the way that Heath Ledger chose to play his character in Brokeback Mountain and how mm-hmm. uh, other actors were coming in and you know chewing scenery as Western guys and and and. Um, and Heath chose to sort of have this tight, like he had his mouth together and his mouth was very tight and the words all came out from behind closed teeth. And I was reminded of that in Brian's <laughs> voice when I saw Benedict. He's got that same 
you know, completely constrained, locked in, rigid. He's almost robotic. You know, there's no fluidity to to his performance at all. Um, and 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 sort of the his his physicality is mirroring the you know the rigidness and the tension that he feels inside. So I think mm-hmm. in terms of his performance, I think he does a great job of again very constrained, the same way that um, Kirsten's performance was constrained in another way. So I think. You know, if you were looking for that, he was well cast. He, again, I'm a huge fan of his work, and so you know, I got no problem with it. Is it a, is it a performance that the role uh, that the film revolves around? No, it doesn't, because it is more to it than that. And if it was someone else, would it change the movie totally? Like maybe King Richard? No, I don't think it would. I think there are other people that could have done as a, a different job, but the movie would have been as fine. So maybe you couldn't say that for Cody Smith McPhee, but we'll get to that. But yeah, no, I thought uh, I really enjoyed the film and I just loved the, you know, the whole, just the, the restraint. It was almost like a, uh, you know, like a, a female version of an East, when Eastwood started making those tight, you know, kind of country films. And uh, I doubt that in her acceptance speech that um, uh, she'll be uh, thanking, uh, what's his name? Uh, our, our most famous cowboy. What was his name on the, on the Mark Moron podcast that took her to town? What's his oh, name? Uh, uh, oh, Sam Elliott. Yeah, Sam Elliott. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yes. oh, okay, just, Poppy. Yeah, she um, won't be. She won't be thanking Sam Elliott in her acceptance speech. I don't think, but but okay. uh, but nonetheless, yeah, really enjoyed it. I found the casting. This is going to sound like an insult, but it's really not. It for me was like playing a piano where half of the keys are broken and somebody's thrown a bunch of quarters under the hood of the piano so it's so jangly but there's something so striking about the music that's coming out of it like a john cage piece i mean you know first of all elizabeth moss was supposed to play the kirsten dunst role and paul dano was supposed to play the jesse Plemons Mm, role so if you think about that that's kind of interesting Mm. but i found this casting very so weird and that none of these Actors should work in this world, but somehow it does because they're all so fucking weird. I mean, I I don't believe Benedict Cumberbatch for a single second as a cowboy in Montana. I mean, it's just not. I mean, maybe an Australian cowboy. I don't know. But there was just nothing for me authentic like it's not sam elliott you know maybe mm. that's what sam is really but getting at there. yeah king. but but did, but didn't but, at the end of the at the end of the film when you re, when you where we get the ricky or when we get the understanding that he came from this background that was completely you know he was at harvard or whatever it was and he had a degree in whatever it was and so yeah, on that he sure. was, there was that there, it, it made sense of his seemingly fish out of water status did that yeah sure I, I guess so but that meant that may be, but I was very distracted by the fact that he did not seem American and that he did not seem like a cowboy. He was, ple- but I'm to your point. He well, was we seem over- to have a cross line. Sam Elliott seems to have come into the call. Can you just he check was, the technicality? But he was there? overplaying. I mean, but this makes sense. He was overplaying the role of a cowboy. He was overplaying the role of cowboy. Billy was my buddy or whatever. And Kirsten Dunst, I, she just collapsed my heart. I mean, I just loved her fragility and her social awkwardness and her panic, like her social panic. I have had those kind of panic attacks in front of people where I don't know what to say. And it's so incredibly awkward. And I just want to die. And I just want to dive into a bottle and forget everything. I mean, I just loved her. And 
I, I, I like Jesse Plemons a whole lot more than you did, Dean. I found him so incredibly nuanced and sad and quiet in, in stark relief of his brother, who was such an asshole. And here is this quiet guy. He just is in love with this little wilting daisy of a woman. And he just wants this quiet life. And he just loves her in this quiet way. I just... I loved his performance and, and this is, so it's ticking off a lot of my criteria because this is a real pivot for Jesse Plemons, you know, who's been playing some really fucked up, disturbed roles. It is also a pivot for Benedict Cumberbatch and, and then it's a deepening for Kirsten Dunst. So I'm really, I'm fine. I just, as a creative person myself, I'm finding it really interesting uh, and that it helps achieve this story, which is like such a, uh, I mean, Paul hated this movie and so did his brother because he just found it incredibly boring and drawn out and a lot of other things. But I feel like their jankiness carried the story uh, without them, their chemistry you know, and of course, Cody McPhee, who I've actually cast his sister on Criminal Minds. I mean, they're just an extraordinary family. You know, his weirdness was, it was just wonderful. This wonderful weirdness. So it's, it ranks high up for me. All right. Well, look, at, uh, I'm going to throw a flag here. I think we need to split this episode up because do you want, we need to make these into good, solid, digestible pieces of podcasting. Okay, that's how we run it at the Lockdown Podcast Network, where I talk about Lockdown MLB. We got to make these digestible. So, Lisa, Dean, what do you say? We take a break. We come back tomorrow. We're fresh. We're showered. We so we we stretch out and we get ready to keep talking and keep going for the killer casting. Is that right? Come on, everyone, hands in. Team yeah. first. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like a plan. And Coach. break. And break. But uh, for now. I'm not even allowed to say this. Who am I? Who am I? Who's this guy butting into this podcast? On behalf of the queen of the Zams, Lisa Zambetti, (laughs) and the dean of the Zams, Dean Laffin, this is Paul Francis Sullivan signing off as I've hijacked the podcast, Killer Casting. Killer Casting is a concept created by her, Lisa Zambetti. It is produced by me, Dean Laffin. Logo art by my beautiful wife, April Laffin. Audio editing by him, Sean at choicevoiceproductions.com. And our theme music, We Are Beautiful, comes from them. That would be Hollywood Legends' Amphibious Zoo music. Until next time, Killer Casting, out.